technical difficulties with uh, all the transition. You can turn probably the pulpit off because I've, okay, good. Uh, well, what a, how do you transition out of that? I don't know. Thank you for being here. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for uh, expressing faith in the only one who can heal. And, and I know we've got you know, some, some newer people. Like we, We're not name it, claim it. We trust that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and always, and that he's our healer, but it's within his will. So we're trusting Jesus that whatever comes is, is his will. Um, in regards to that, so thank you for for praying uh, and continuing to pray for us. So, uh, didn't know that uh, we would be able to to gather this morning and 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 worship and celebrate and and all of this this morning and been a busy week with distractions as uh, you got to hear one of mine, but uh, obviously with the the construction in here and the, the new furnace is installed for the other side of the building. So uh, it was a very busy week this week and I just was very distracted in, in different studies. And, and I just was convicted in my study that, you know, sometimes it's good to try something new and, and do something a little bit different. And since it's already different, since it's already a different space and things are different this morning, I got something a little bit different to do as your pastor and and doing some uh, some training this morning. So there, there's a there's a question that I've been wrestling with for the past month or so, and this is going to be a, a participation style service, and so you're going to be needing that bulletin. So if you don't have one, you're going to need something to write on this morning. Um, with a pen, and there are some pencils and stuff around the room. So I'm going to encourage you to please be prepared. But uh, there's a question that I've been wrestling with for the past month or so, maybe longer, in one way, shape, or form. And I'm going to present this question to you, and I want to give you a little bit of time to write out how you would answer this question. We're not going to share your answers, but I want you to write it out because I want you to know after I give what I believe the answer to be, what you first thought. Not for who's right and wrong, but just as a way of evaluation. But I need you to make sure you leave room on your paper for what we're going to do next. So don't, like, use up your entire paper with your answer, okay? So this question that I've been wrestling with, in one form or another, I've, I've got three different ways of asking the question. But the question is, what is the purpose of the church? Another way to ask this question might be, why does the church exist? Or another way I've heard the question posed is, what is the mission of the church? And so I want you to take a few moments to go ahead and answer either, you know, the idea here of what is the church all about? Why do we exist? What is our purpose as the church? And, and I don't mean Kashokton Alliance Church. I, I mean the church, like 
globally. What is the purpose? Why are we here? What do we exist for? Hopefully you've got something, uh, some kind of idea even uh, written down about the answer to this question. But as I've been wrestling with these questions and, and, and looking at scripture and understanding what I believe to be convicted in the answer, the purpose of the church or why we exist or the mission of the church is, as we heard earlier, to make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, Matthew 24, 14. The purpose of the church, Christ commissioned the church to go make disciples. And, and the going isn't the command. The, the command is to make disciples as we go. And some of us are called to go across the world. And some of us are to go to our neighbor, right? But the mission of the church, the purpose of the church, of Christ establishing the church is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. That's why we exist as a church. I have a study with some statistics that I like to share from, from a place uh, from Barna, but before we get there, I've been told that uh, we haven't made a disciple until that disciple has made a disciple. This is generational discipleship, right? So, so you haven't truly made a disciple until that person you've discipled is able to then make a disciple, and I would even argue until that one can make a disciple, right? Because if we're commanded to make disciples, then Part of that process ought to be that the person we've discipled knows how to then make another disciple. And so it's been argued that you haven't made a disciple until your disciple makes a disciple. We'll get there in a second. In this study that I found from Barna, which is a Christian organization, I believe, um, says that 39% of Christians are not engaged in discipleship at all. 39%. And I'm just going to read. I, I have the article here. Um, it says two in five Christians are not engaged in discipleship, which comes to about 40%. Perhaps, I'm quoting here from the article, it says, perhaps this doesn't surprise you. In our increasingly individualized culture, 56% of Christians tell Barna that their spiritual life is entirely private. 56% of Christians say that their, their faith is their own. It's a private matter. I think Paul would have something to say about that. <laughs> Read 1 Corinthians 12. 
But if 56% of Christians believe that their spiritual life is entirely private, is there any wonder why discipleship isn't happening? Because in order to disciple others, you have to share life with them. You have to share your faith with them. More research, more data. Those who were being discipled and discipling another account for 28% of Christians. Another 28% fall into the category of being discipled, but not discipling somebody else. And only 5% are discipling others. By this, these statistics, that means 39% are not engaged in discipleship in any way, shape, or form, whether they're being poured into or they're pouring into others or any of those categories. The number one reason given for why discipleship doesn't happen is because Christians feel ill-equipped to make disciples. They don't feel smart enough. They don't feel like they have the tools. They don't feel like they've arrived, whatever the case might be. It's the number one reason given. One in four Christians say the practice of discipling another has never been suggested to them. 24%. The idea of even discipling somebody hasn't been even suggested to someone. 24% of believers. Twenty-two percent say they haven't even thought about helping someone grow closer to God. Similarly, when Christians don't have a relationship that provides accountability, support, spiritual growth, the main reason is that they either haven't thought about it or they haven't found someone with whom they have to, who they want to have this type of relationship with. From these responses, we gather that invitations into spiritually fruitful relationships just aren't naturally occurring. which we have to sit with and go, well, what do we do with that if the mission of the church is to make disciples? How do we account for that? As I wrestled with that and that data and and that realization and, and I look at what our typical gathering looks like and, and, and look at uh, what we do when we come here on Sunday morning and I go, what am I doing to even equip the body of Christ to make disciples? Not that preaching is, is not important. It is. There's an important part that that plays. But as the pastor of this church, what am I doing to equip the body of Christ to make disciples? Hence, where we're at this morning. The biblical discipleship, in my understanding, is more than teaching what the Bible says. Yes, we need to know what the Bible says. We need to know what the Word says. We need to understand it. But it goes more than just understanding what it says. 
Biblical discipleship requires hands-on training. If we look at the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus not only taught the fulfillment of Scripture and actually said this is what it actually means, he actually showed by doing and then said, now it's your turn, now you do. If we want to make disciples, if we want to make disciples for Christ, we have to not only give information from a head knowledge, we have to show how. Another way of thinking about this is, you know, so I've got a 15-year-old, almost 16-year-old son who's learning, been learning how to drive. And he's doing great. What would it be like, how would you feel if the only requirement for our teenagers to get their license was to pass a written exam? Not only did they just have to pass the exam, they had to get 100% on the exam. But they've never had in-car training. How comfortable would you feel? How comfortable would that 16-year-old feel? When our discipleship is is focused just on what the word says, we've done the same thing. Don't hear me say that the word is important. It is. But it can't just be discipling in the word. We have, to, we have to invite those we're discipling into life with us and show them how we do things, how we've been taught how to do things. And, and not that it's the only way to do things, but it's, it's some form of, hey, now it's your turn, now you try, right? That would be what it's like and what is necessary. When making disciples is predominantly text-based knowledge, we've done the same thing as asking a, okaying a 16-year-old to drive when all they've done is passed a written test. It's It's the same thing. As your pastor, I'm burdened. I have felt called from the very beginning to equip the saints, y'all, for the work of ministry. And preaching plays a part in that. It does, and it can, and it's good. But if we never spend time training and equipping in practical senses, all we're doing is focusing on the word part. And not that that's a small thing. Please don't hear that. But my heart for you, for the church, is to complete the Great Commission. And it takes each of us doing that. So, I have something I'd like to share with you that was, that was uh, shared with me when I was a young man in the Lord. And, and uh, it's a tool for understanding God's word and then how to apply it to my life. And this is what we're going to spend our, our time together with in Judges 15, which is where we would be at this morning. So, I'm going to teach you a method called the SOAP method S-O-A-P, and those of you in the medical field, you might know what this is from a medical standpoint, and this is really going to help you. I know it helped me when I was in that field. But I'd like to read these, these three verses to just kind of set the, the idea of why this is important. 
Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So here we see in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is living and active. 2 Timothy 3.16 also speaks about the word, and it says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So not only is the word of God living and active, it's breathed out by God himself and is profitable for teaching and training. And then John 14, 26, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Pretty sure I lost a job there. Pretty sure I lost my job right there reading that verse. The Holy Spirit, whom you've been sealed with, if you've repented and and trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have received God himself and the Holy Spirit, whose very job is to teach you all things through his word, which is living and active. So, what does this SOAP method stand for? I want you to, on your paper, on your bulletin, to write it out like this, giving yourself space to write next to each of these letters. So, towards the top of your paper, you'll write an S, a little bit further down O, a little bit further down A, a little bit further down P. Leave yourself some space. The S, now don't write this down, but I'm going to tell you what it is. The S stands for scripture. Okay, so in this section, when, we, when, when I say go, <laughs> what you're going to be doing for the S part is as you're reading through the passage of scripture that I'm going to give you, you want to be looking for the verse or verses, usually one to two, that God is trying to speak to you. That And... and I don't know how else to explain it other than they just kind of jump off the page at you. There's just something about them that you go, huh, I should write that down. And you write it down. Okay? And you'll write it out and quote it and, t- and say what verse number it is. That's the S. The O stands for observations. So as you're reading, what stood out to you? What did you see? What uh, people were named? What, what's happening in the story or in the, in the text that you're reading? Um, this morning we're going to be reading Judges 15, which is all about Samson. There's going to be lots of observations to be had. What do you see? What observations can you make? Write them down. And then when we get to the A... This stands for application. Based on what you're seeing, based on what God is revealing, what does that mean for you? If the word of God is living and active and it's for training up in righteousness, there's something there for you. What do you see? And then the P is a prayer. 
you write out a prayer. Some of you might be familiar with this, and this is going to come a little bit easier. Some of you, this is brand new, and I get it. But we're going to spend the next several minutes, and if you need to spread out, this is, this is time for you in the word with the Lord. I want to pray over this time. But until we are trained in how to study the word for ourselves, we can't then make a disciple who knows how to do it either. Okay? And this is just a method. It's not the only method. This is just the one I like to use. And it's the one I'm best trained in. And so I want to teach you. So we're going to spend time doing this with Judges 15. It's a lot. It's a, it's, it's a full chapter. It's 20 verses. There's no right or wrong here, specifically speaking, because you're going to be listening to the Holy Spirit convict you on what to write. Then, after 10 to 15 minutes of, of working through the, the text and, and soaping your notes, we're going to get into our koinonia circles, okay? And we're going to share what God said to you and encourage one another. And say, man, this was really hard. Or, oh, this is, what I, this is what stood out to me. And these are the observations I saw. And spend time as the body of Christ ministering to one another as the saints. Okay? And this is practice. This is, this is a time to sharpen iron. Right? Ironing, sharpening iron. Um, and so uh, when we're done with that koinonia time, I'll close us out in a word of prayer. But as we get started, let me pray. And then we'll let you read all of Judges 15 and then work through this exercise. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who makes your word known to us. And Lord, we want to take the Great Commission seriously and personally, Lord, because each and every disciple is called to make more disciples. So Lord, as, as we have your word open and, and are seeking to know what you would have to say to us individually, Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word and give us eyes to see what you want to say. And then as we gather, Lord, I pray that that would be fruitful and that it would be at a time of encouragement and that you would minister through your people to your people and that uh, it wouldn't just end here, that this would be something we go, oh, I could do this. I could teach somebody else how to do this. And that your saints would be equipped to go make disciples in just one small way. So, Lord, we, we give this time to you. I ask, Lord, that you would go before us, open our eyes to see you in your word. Help us to let go of any reservations or struggles we might have with this exercise, Lord, and just trust you. And, Lord, that you would honor that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.